Good afternoon, Michael Malice here. Let that be your welcome for the next hour. We have with us a really special guest all the way from Serbia, uh, Michaela Peterson. For those of you who don't know who she is, she is the author of the Michaela Peterson podcast. She is a prominent proponent of the lion diet, which I really want to talk to you about how that changes people's health. And obviously, most famously, as the daughter of Jordan Peterson. And I think a lot of people who are my listeners and, you know, who've been following you have been very curious, you know, about uh, the last year, which has been really a situation, which we're going to get into in a second. Your dad has influenced so many people so much that he's got me taking benzos recreationally. Oh, my God. That is such a horrible joke, Michael. <laughs> oh, they're right here. God, that is no, no. Please don't tell me that's true. No, Holy it's just, shit, I hate that it's medication. Just, it's just my estrogen. Okay, thank I, God. I've got too much test flowing in my veins. Wow, what an opening. No, but in, in let's get serious because uh, substance addiction, which is a physical addiction, is something that people don't have an understanding about. They mm-hmm. think of things like heroin or cocaine. They don't understand how freely drugs are given to people. And even when they do understand how freely they are, if it's 1% of the population who has a severe reaction and you're giving it to millions, do the math. That is crazy Russian roulette. And it can happen to someone as uh, informed and renowned and educated as your dad. So I know you're probably sick of telling this story because it's still ongoing and painful, but do you want me to tell it? What I, so you don't have to do it? Oh, no, no, I can do it. Okay. I, I did, you <laughs> I, know, because I know it's, it's tough. Well, yeah, I know. But I, the reason we've been talking about it is because it's so bad. Like, I do believe it's going to end, but it's so bad that if people cannot make the same mistake, that yeah. would be good. So um, what happened was he, we've got this, so we, like, we can go into diet later, but we have this autoimmune issue and mine's autoimmune wise, mine's more severe than my dad's, but it hit our moods terribly. Um, so he suffered from very, very serious depression for decades Wow! and we were, and then he went off of all the medication. We started to try and get the depression under control with diet successfully. And then we were reintroducing foods and had, and reintroduced something, had this autoimmune spike that was really catastrophic. And it was three weeks of like insomnia. The insomnia was the really rough part. Um, and I talked about this a bit. He went on Joe Rogan and was like, I didn't sleep for three weeks. And people were like, well, that's impossible. Which like, yes, but it was really unpleasant. It didn't feel like there was any sleeping involved. Yeah. There was like, he was fainting when he stood up. Like his blood pressure dropped. Like it was very unpleasant. And he went to our family doctor and said, I can't sleep. Like, and I can't live like this. And he didn't know how long it was going to last. And I had had kind of experiences with these weird autoimmune flare-ups. So I was like, dad, it's going to be like a month, but it will go away. So just like wait it out. But he was like, there's, there's no way this is ending. Um, and he was put on a low dose benzodiazepine, which is something that's prescribed very frequently yeah. for panic disorders or insomnia, or sometimes for like random things. It'll be like, I just take a low dose benzodiazepine. Can you give me an uh, example of some names of them so people know what they are? 
Yeah, sure. So clonazepam or clonopin, that's the same one. Um, Ativan, Valium, which is diazepam. Very common, uh, Valium. Yeah. Very common. Very common. And the people it's prescribed most to are elderly women. Wow. That's okay. like the highest percentage. And once those people get on them, if you take them, it depends what doctor you talk to who specializes in benzo dependence. But if you take those every day for like two weeks and you're one of the unlucky people, you'll form a dependence that quickly, which is faster than opiate dependence forms. Like at two weeks of solid opiate use, you, you might be a bit sweaty when you stop taking it, but yeah. you can be totally screwed over by benzodiazepines. What does that and mean be, to be addicted after two weeks, like lit, in literal terms? Okay, okay. So what, what happens is um, your brain adjusts so quickly to the medication you're being given. So for instance, benzodiazepines work by increasing GABA and your body will reduce the number of receptors that react to GABA to compensate for the fact that you're on a medication that's increasing your GABA. So it'll like burn up. I don't know exactly. It'll destroy these receptors so that when you stop taking the medication and your amount of GABA goes down, you have less receptors and your brain freaks out. And what happens when you don't have enough GABA is GABA is a calming neurotransmitter. So you get panic. So like what if you're in a car accident or something and you're like, your body kind of freaks out and your heart rates up and everything, GABA will calm you down. So it destroys your GABA system, which means you're going to be in a state of panic. And what it's used to treat is panic. And if you look at the studies, long-term use of benzodiazepine doesn't help panic. Like the, even something like an SSRI, an antidepressant is more successful for treating a panic disorder than benzodiazepines, but they'll work really well if you have a panic attack and you take like a dose of a benzodiazepine, it kind of works. It just shuts it off. And it doesn't give you, I, I know this because I was prescribed benzodiazepines years ago when I was really ill and on a whole bunch of medication. I, thankfully, I didn't take it every day. It was periodic because I didn't find it worked very well, to be honest. Um, but it it stops the panic and for dad it let him sleep so he like dealt with this immune response and then the immune response went away and then he had this anxiety that just never left after that and and it we had no idea what was going on we're like well your life is really stressful it was when he was touring and there was a lot of negative press and he wasn't used to getting like a you don't. You have to get used to being attacked in the media. Yeah, he's Jordan Peterson now. He's not just some asshole walking around the street. You know what I mean? Now, like yeah. everyone knows who he is. Everyone has an opinion about you. It's got to be yeah. surreal. Yeah, and it was really stressful. And I think when it happens to somebody, maybe that's, you know, maybe when it happens, I think it's hard on anyone when of that course. happens to anybody. But it was hard. And uh, I mean, there were people calling him Nazis, like a Nazi and things. And he was like, "All I've done is try and stop." people from becoming Nazis. That's but what I've done with my life. But it's also hard in the positive sense. When you go from being some a professor and a dad to strangers telling you honestly that you have changed their life profoundly for the better, that is also takes an emotional toll yeah. because that's yeah. moving. It's jarring. It's like, holy crap, I, I, I did this. It, it, you know, so yeah. it's, it's a roller coaster in both ways. 
Yeah, yeah. And he cares, right? So if of someone course, came yeah. up and said, you've changed my life or like I was on the brink of suicide and then I repaired my relationship with my family and now like now I'm alive. Thank you. He'd cry. <laughs> like it's not like he'd be like, yeah, no problem, dude. Like he'd be on the street and he'd cry with them. Um, so anyway, so this benzodiazepine. So he's on this low dose benzodiazepine, which we completely ignored. And the reason we did that was because we were medicated with both of us with an SSRI for like, I, I took that for like 15 years. Um, and when I stopped taking it, I was fortunate enough. I just stopped taking it when my depression left and nothing happened. It was fine. But some people don't get that. Um, and so it's like all antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. Uh, and then he went on tour to 180 cities and was just like, and then my mom got diagnosed with cancer and was told she was only going to have 10 months and there was nothing we could do about it. Yeah. That was last May. And we went to specialists and everybody we went to, and we went like all over North America said, you know, the statistics surrounding chemotherapy and surgery are really bad, but you should try it. Um, and she had surgery and that almost killed her because she suffered from a surgical complication. She had to be flown to a different country to deal with that. And it was four months of like often, not off and on. It was every day there was a different reason she was going to die. And she was a champ. Like she was the least whiny human <laughs> that I've ever seen for somebody who was actively like dying. And then she, like she recovered and she's in remission and it wasn't supposed to happen. And it did, which is like, thank freaking God. I, I don't even know I how gotta, that happened. I got to ask this because to go from, she's a goner, right? To get that phone call for she's in remission. What was that like? That's like a miracle. It's so weird because when, when you get a phone call about bad news, it's like it hits you like a bat. And then you're walking around like you can't really see for a while. Like it hits you. But when you get a phone call and it's like, and you've been going in and out of freaking out for months or however long, uh, and it's like, oh, this is fixed. It doesn't just stop. Because you're huh. still in like, there's no way this can possibly be true. Oh, and this is like Lucy so, in the football. Lucy in the football? Peanuts, right? Where Lucy's holding the ball for Charlie Brown to kick. And then when yeah, he comes yeah, and runs, yeah. she pulls it away at the last second. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. no, no, she's not out of the woods. They're just yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. with us. It's in another yeah, yeah. six months, they're going to be like, oops, she has it even worse. Yeah, which is something that had happened repeatedly. Yeah. So, so, um, oh so, yeah. Um, so at the same time, when mom was diagnosed, our doctor increased my dad's dose and he started getting worse. Like instead of it working, it just wasn't working. It was doing the opposite of what it was supposed to be doing. And it wasn't until he went to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist said, well, just stop taking the benzodiazepine and try ketamine treatment. It's like off-label use for depression. And so dad stopped the, anti, uh, the uh, benzodiazepine and then went into, you can't do that. Turns out you can't just stop taking benzodiazepines. So if anyone's on them and wants to get off, do not stop taking them cold turkey. You have to wean down. But because he stopped cold turkey, it's just since then, it's just been brutal. And he's been, he's been off of them for eight months. We had to fly him over to Russia because we went to a number of hospitals in the States and none of them would reduce the dose. Like his akathisia, 
which is a movement disorder that can be movement disorder is a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Um, it's like, it looks like someone's being prodded by an invisible devil. And apparently that's what it feels like too. Um, they kept treating his akathisia. So we'd go to a clinic, uh, we'd see a doctor and the doctor would say, oh, well, here's some medication for the akathisia. And it's like, the benzodiazepines are causing the akathisia. Can you please get rid of them? Like wean him down. But his, the akathisia was so severe, caused by the benzodiazepines and worsened by benzodiazepine withdrawal. So removing them made it worse. Going up made it worse. Everything made it worse. And the only place that said, okay, we can do this, a detox, which is not a good idea if you're on benzodiazepines, was this place in Russia, of course. Uh, and that was the only way he was able to get off of them. And then that was eight months ago. And so for eight months, he's just been like trying to recover and he's got nerve damage everywhere because it turns out another thing benzodiazepines do, this is fun, is they upregulate myelin sheath formation. Okay. And myelin sheaths cover all your nerves. So if oh you go into the benzo withdrawal, then you have demyelination problems if you're really unlucky. And that's like MS symptoms. And that'll grow back, but nerve recovery is not fast. So it's just been hell. It's like nobody deserves that kind of thing. And especially if they're like, oh, I'm... <laughs> you hit the most... You hit the saddest people because the people who go on benzodiazepines are people who are... Who are in rough places and they're like my life is so intolerable that i need an anti-anxiety medication and then the anti-anxiety medication just makes it more intolerable most people stay on them if you look at the statistics they can't get off of them i had to deal with a traumatic situation a couple of years ago and my friend and this is not a joke i'm not talking with you my friend did give me clonopin and i was so paranoid about this that i have a pill cutter God. It's right here. Yeah. I cut them into quarters. Yes. And every time I took a quarter of a pill, I put it on my Google calendar to be paranoid about, and I've never taken more than a half a pill a week. Um, but like I, anytime you are messing with your brain chemistry, I think it's behooves everyone to take as many notes as possible because if you're messing with your brain chemistry, you're guaranteed to have disordered thinking. And then all sorts of things start escalating and, and snowballing. Um, so it's, I, I beg everyone, just because a doctor or mm -hmm. it, if someone on the street gave you a drug and said, here, take this, if it works for everyone else, doesn't mean it's going to work the same way on you. This is the mind. So really, you owe it to yourself just to be OCD about it. Yeah, particularly benzodiazepines. Hey guys, Michael Malice here. Today's episode is brought to you by Sheath Underwear, which I love. If you go to sheathunderwear.com, S-H-E-A-T-H underwear.com, use promo code MALICE20, you get 20% off your order. What is it? These are the best boxer briefs you're ever going to wear. I wear them every day. And what makes Sheath unique is it's got a two-chambered pouch. One pouch for one part of your boys, another pouch for the other part of your boys. First time I tried them on, I'm like, what is this? And now I'm like, oh, I know what this is. This feels like comfort. They've got all these different colors, camouflage, black, white, purple, green. It's great stuff. 
and I love wearing my sheath underwear every day. If you go to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code MALICE20, you get 20% off your order and you can get inside my pants, which apparently, sadly, no one really wants to do. Let's get back to the show. One thing that you are now in a position to do uh, which few people are. I So I was dealing with this whole situation for a long period of time, and I called my friend Carl Oberg, and Carl had had cancer. And I said, Carl, it's not that I can't handle this. It's just been going on for so long. I just needed to end. Like, And I'm sure, yeah, 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 like yeah. when you had your, uh, Carl, you had your Hodgkins, like you knew you weren't going to die, but you're still weak. And you're, you know, I'm like, what did you do? He goes, I'll tell you exactly what I did. He goes, one day, I sat with my wife and I said, I can't take this anymore. We got a bunch of crap at like a cheap store and I got a baseball bat and I just smashed the hell out of it and worked out my frustrations and it made feel better. How are you, what advice do you have to people who have to deal with this long situation because there's so much powerlessness involved with it? So I have some suggestions and it, none of it makes the situation go away. But what, what I do, and I kind of learned this while I was dealing with my mom, um, is every time you get a tiny, tiny little bit of good news, like it's not going to be a good day because if you're in the middle of a tragic scenario, it, it's still there. But if something makes you ha- happy, like party about it. So we were like, when we went to Russia, it was so awful watching, like watching a family member suffer is just, it's torture. Yes. And I've like, I've been in hospitals and suffered and I would easily take that over watching somebody else do it. Like that's brutal. So every time there was like a little bit of something good, we'd party. But like, yes, today's a good day. And I'm really good at like sucking all the positive emotion I can out of any tiny little thing. So that's one thing is if anything even remotely good happens, like have a little party about it, whatever that looks like, like go out to dinner, like celebrate that because the next day could be miserable again, right? Like just because it goes up doesn't mean it's... It's not going to go up and down and up and down and up and, and down. And just because it gets miserable again does not mitigate today's good day. It was a good yeah. day, even if it's going to be miserable tomorrow. Yeah. And, and generally speaking, and I've talked to a lot of people who, like I talked to somebody this morning who she was like, my mom died of cancer after we got told 10 months she died. And I had full blown panic attacks like all day for an entire year. And, and then it, like it, these, these terrible situations, generally speaking, they go away at some point if yeah. you're lucky. Like some people have shit lives, <laughs> yeah. but people, a lot of the time people will have periods of really traumatic experiences and then the traumatic experience will end and then you recover. And so you have to remember, that's what I've experienced in my life anyway, because I've had some situations where I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, is this written in a book somewhere? Yeah. Like, this can't be real. But I know that it'll, it's going to go like this and it's going to end because that's what it seems to do. So it just sucks when you're right in the middle of it. Um, so I say party when you can, when you have those little tiny ups. Uh, I was talking to a bunch of people about something like this. And the point they make is imagine you're being in a crib and the crib is swinging all the way to the left and your brain is telling you, well, it's just going to keep going to the left. And you go, that's ridiculous. So when we're in these situations, we always extrapolate like a hockey stick. Well, these, this week has been bad and the week before wasn't as bad. Therefore, next week is going to be doubly bad. No, life is not linear. And if someone's told you mm-hmm. the straight face, everything in your life is going to proceed literally in a, in a geometric fashion, you think that person is a nerd, but also crazy. 
but that's what your mm-hmm. mind is our minds tell us yeah it looks for patterns right and right the fact and the fact is that life is really random <laughs> which is yeah. good and bad one of the things that i have learned the hard way which i think you have a lot of insight on and i'm very curious about is and it's just such a counterintuitive thing is the effect of food on one's psyche and thought process. Uh, There's two things that have happened with me. I used to have stomach issues all my life. Like every day I had stomach discomfort, literally every day. And then when I was like in my 30s, I knew someone who had Crohn's disease, which is obviously no joke. Like he had a piece of his like intestine taken out uh, and he suggested probiotics. If this was somebody else, I'd be like, okay, cool, hippie. But the fact that there's someone with a medical condition is like, this helped me a lot. I took them and I was better almost immediately. I think people are so used to feeling that if you've been a certain way all your life, that it's always going to be that way. It's not true. Uh, This is one example. But two, uh, my old coach had me doing carb cycling and to get my body fat really low. And when you have um, glycogen depletion, it messes with your brain something fierce. And I was getting these kind of panic attack things and I knew they would only be a candy bar away. Uh, and it was this whole situation. So tell That's me about the lion diet and how that kind of affects this. Cause I know you've spoken about that before. Yeah. Okay. First, what kind of probiotic did you take? Just out of curiosity. Uh, it was uh, no- Florastor. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And what so- I tell people, I'm oh, sorry to interrupt you. The downside is you're out 20 bucks. The upside is it's life-changing. So those are pretty good odds. Poor Astor. Huh. Okay. Well, that's an, well, I'll come back to that. So I had um, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. I was diagnosed when I was seven. And I, it, was so, it was incredibly severe, like something that you don't think is going to happen to you severe. I had my hip and ankle replaced when I was 17 because my right. body ate through all of the cartilage in those two joints in the same year. It was ridiculous. Like my uh, rheumatologist... I was the worst case of arthritis she had ever seen in 20 years of only treating children with arthritis. So it was really bad. Um, and then I was medicated for technically bipolar type 2 with just debilitating depression, which was way worse than the arthritis. I would have chosen that hands down easily, uh, chosen the arthritis over the bipolar Um, and then I was diagnosed with idiopathic hypersomnia when I was 21, which was just, I was just exhausted all the time and I was just couldn't wake up. Um, and that was probably also worse than the arthritis. And then I started getting skin rashes. So by the time I was 22, I had this arthritis, bipolar, idiopathic hypersomnia. And then I started getting this blistering, itchy skin rash. And I was like, that's enough. (laughs) <laughs> that's good. Like I already had those other things. This is too much now. Uh, I, I, like I can't, that's, that's too much. So I started researching because I'd been to specialists for my entire life. Like I said, I was diagnosed when I was seven. We started going to doctors before that. Um, and I wasn't, I was on a whole slew of medications at that point. So I was on immune suppressants for the arthritis. Um, I was taking Tylenol three at night, which is just, is codeine. Um, because I couldn't sleep on my shoulders because of the arthritis. Um, I was on NSSRI. I was on Wellbutrin. Um, I was taking Adderall for the idiopathic hypersomnia. Yeah, and it sounds ridiculous looking back on it, but if I hadn't been on those medications, I couldn't move. Like, So they did mask the symptoms. I wouldn't say they helped. If you're on antidepressants and you're depressed, you can still feel the depression. You're just like numbed. 
So yeah, that's what people don't get. It's not that you feel whole or good. It's just looking at a instead of a, looking at an ugly photo, it's now a black and white ugly photo. Uh, you're like losing some of the information there, but it's yeah. not, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's the interesting thing about painkillers too. Um, I, I was on high dose opiates for my hip and ankle replacement that year. Um, and the weird thing about opiates is they don't get rid of the pain. They just make you care less. Yeah. It depends, I think, what level of pain you're in. If sure. it's not very much, then it can probably mask it. But if you're doing like walking bone on bone, it doesn't mask that well. But it makes you not care about it. So like drugs are they're creepy, man. Yeah. Um, they have their place, but they're creepy. Anyway, I started getting super desperate because of this rash, um, which was probably the least of my problems, but it's what people could see. And I came across, after like a year of reading all the scientific articles I could get my hands on, I came across uh, a disorder called dermatitis herpetiformis, which is what I had. And it was something that manifests in celiac disease. Wait, herpetiformis means takes the form of herpes in Latin, right? Okay. <laughs> Cute, right? Yeah. <laughs> great. Like, no, no, I, it just looks like herpes. <laughs> oh, no, it was so bad. I was like, why is this happening to me? I already have my hip and ankle. Like, fuck, what did I do in a past life? Jesus. Now I have dermatitis herpetiformis. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Even anyway, the name, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Someone without it named it. Yeah, of like, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah how to make someone feel worse about what they have right give it that kind of name jesus anyway i cut out uh, i cut out gluten right away and i was very very hopeful that and i'd all i'd always been of the opinion that gluten free was kind of a like a hippie thing that was just and i audibly with my friends made fun of those people which was a huge mistake you should be careful about that kind of thing because sometimes it comes around and bites you I'm very careful now who I laugh at. There are these people who are like into vibrational energies. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not there yet. But like, I don't want to discount that too hard because I don't know where I'm going to be in like four years. Um, So I cut out gluten and that didn't do much. Like I can start to remember that summer. My memories are very hazy on all those medications and being that ill. Um, And I can start to remember that summer, but it didn't do much other than that. Um, at that point, I cut out the immune suppressants because I was trying to monitor my arthritic symptoms when removing um, gluten. And that's September, so September 2015, I kind of decided to do, and I didn't think it was going to work, I decided to do a elimination diet um, that I kind of came up with because I was re- online reading about elimination diets, and it was like, you can't eat oranges, but you can eat lemons. And I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Like, why are almonds okay and you know other nuts are out? So I just cut everything kind of except for meat and certain root vegetables and that was it. And I was like, I'll do this for a month. And I was still taking really high dose Adderall to stay awake, uh, which destroys your appetite. Yeah. So I probably hadn't had an easier time doing that diet because I had no appetite anyway. Uh, so I guess that's one good thing about being on that much Adderall. But um, in within a month, my... Joints started feeling better, but more, more obviously, my rash healed. Oh, wow. And it was like a month, and my rash healed, and I was like, whoa, okay. And I went down. I went down three pant sizes, but I only lost five pounds. And I was like- so that's inflammation. 
yeah, was, yeah. Like I had abs after a month of this and I was like, I've been, I, I was kind of like skinny, but bloated, but it just like a month and, and I was good. So that was when I was 23. And so then I started to try and reintroduce foods because I thought maybe there were five foods I was extremely allergic to or something. And every time I tried to reintroduce something, something terrible happened, but I'll get into that in a minute. Three months into this very limited diet, my depression lifted. Oh, crap. Yeah. And my depression and my fatigue, they went away at the same time. And I was shocked because I was doing this for the rash and for the arthritis. And I thought that the depression was a genetic disorder because it runs like my dad had it. My grandpa has it. My great grandpa, like there's something there. But so I didn't think it was going to be affected at all. And it just lifted and I could feel it while I was still taking the SSRI. I could feel it go away. And for people who have a mental disorder specifically for their whole life, they have no idea what it feels like to not have a mental disorder. Right. It is so much better. (laughs) Or to even hope that that's a possibility. Yeah, and this you is, This is who I am. I am going to have yeah. depression all my life. This is I've had it all since I was born. I'm going to have it till I die. That's just logic. It, well, logic, and also if you've tried a number of things, like yeah. people go like meditate, exercise. Like if you've tried all these things, at some point, the only way to survive with that kind of thing is to say, "This is me," and yeah. I'm going to suck it up and continue. And like everyone can fuck off with their ideas of how this is going to be improved or hippy dippy diet ideas. <laughs> but um, so I had I was already at that point, but it went away while I was on the diet. And I was so I went off of my antidepressants really quickly. It was like, I weaned down over a week and a half, I think, of taking an SSRI constantly high dose for like 15, 14 years, something like that. I stopped taking it. And it was like incredible. So that's when I got dad on the diet. And pushed him onto the diet, which he was like, ah, diet, that's not, has nothing to do with this. But oh, well, for men, lost... it's called a regimen. Girls have diets. Oh, it's true. Yeah, men, I? Maybe if I had sold it regimen, like that. Regimen, yeah, it has the word men it in it. It would have been, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's better. That's better. Yeah. That sounds more like sturdy and forceful. Of course, yeah. I'm on a regimen. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Yeah. That, uh, I, I'm going to use that. Uh, so dad went on it. And he lost 50 pounds in the next year. His gum disease went away. He had gum disease. He had uveitis. He had psoriasis. So that that all went away in the next year. He got super skinny and then got famous. (laughs) Oh, so this is before he became like Jordan Peterson. It was just before. This was, he went on the diet December 2015 and made a YouTube video that went viral, I believe, September 2016. And it... You can see if you go online, you can watch his university lectures from 2015 and then look at the ones after that. And it's this huge transformation. He stopped sleeping during the day because he used to have a two hour nap in the day because he was tired. Um, Like his autoimmune part, that part got under control, but he had a hell of a time getting the depression under control. He had periods and he went off of antidepressants and he had periods of, of brief glimpses, but the diet was tricky to stick to. And at that point I was still doing low carb, this limited diet. And I kept reintroducing things and the, the reactions I would have to the food would last 24 days. Wow. Okay. Which was, 
which I, and so I was looking, trying to find any information online of 24 day food sensitivities. Yeah. That obviously didn't exist. I went to immunologists and was like, at least for me, when I had, when I had a, when I reintroduced something and I had a reaction, I would get like, my rash would come back. I'd get bloated. Um, I'd get arthritis, but the debilitating symptom is the depression would come back. And it was just like, I couldn't think or I had this, like, I couldn't sleep. I had this feeling of horrifying doom at one point i hallucinated like it was real crazy stuff um and that was the invisible part but it was the worst by far and at least yeah. i had things like the rash for me to think okay this is actually happening and i'm not just crazy yeah and the depression is very articulate so it's going to tell you oh you thought you were going to get rid of me you're never going to get rid of me nice yeah. try kiddo and then you're like That's you're right yeah yeah, that's exactly what happened. The first time it came back, so I went off of antidepressants for the first time in my like life that I can kind of remember well, um, and I reintroduced soy, uh, and I ate. At this point, I was reintroducing a lot of it because I really wanted to have a reaction to make sure I could rule that food out. I didn't realize how bad those reactions could be and how little of a food I needed to spike them, but I had just like a pile of soy, and I woke up the next day, and I was like, something's wrong. I have this like sensation someone's watching me just like this horror and i was like okay that's weird because i was like happy yesterday so it must be the soy like okay it'll be like this feeling will be gone and it just got worse and worse and i went into the shower and i can remember just like bawling and being like i am so naive like to think that this kind of depression could be solved by something like diet right how stupid like i told myself I can remember when I was 14, I told myself I wasn't going to have any hope, like false hope for getting rid of my sicknesses because it was so crushing to have that hope. Yeah, yeah. Crush. Yeah. So I'd made myself that promise and I'd broken it by having this hope. And then I had this reaction and it was just, and then the next day I was like, I can't drive. Like, I can't think Julian, my, my brother, Julian, I'm like, can you drive with me back to my apartment? And he drove me back and I turned, got out of the car to walk to the door and I turned around to wave to him and looking at me was this huge demon face. And it was there for like one, two, enough to look at me, wave, and then turn to drive away. And then it was my brother again. And I was standing at my door and I was like, okay, great. <laughs> I've stopped taking my medication and yeah. now I'm really crazy, not just depressed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who hallucinates? Even people with schizophrenia generally have auditory hallucinations, not like straight up demon hallucinations. And so I went upstairs and had like a full blown, like hyperventilating panic attack, which yeah. I was aware of what was happening, but I was like, I just hallucinated. I smoked a bunch of weed. And well, like, how can you, how can you not freak out if you're, cause there it's like, well, if this is now, what's going to happen in a week? I, I mean, this could be the end of me. It would be my thoughts. Yeah, and what if this never goes away? Right. That was the main. It was like, and it wasn't like I saw a demon head and thought my brother is a demon. I literally thought I hallucinated. Yeah, but then That's really bad. your brain is telling you in a week from now, you're not going to know that. A week from now, you're going to be like that. My brother is a demon. And then what if I do something about it? Like, I mean, that's how it, it gets really because we right. extrapolate. Like, yeah. People can be so crazy. And I was like, I was pretty crazy before with bipolar. Like I, I was very unstable and very volatile and very depressed and very doomy. But I wasn't like that. That was bad. So anyway, we it did go away. I was stuck to the diet and smoked a lot of weed to get through it. And I was absolutely refusing to take any medication because I was like, I got rid of all the medications. 
I was better. There was like a two week period in my entire life where I felt good and I'm going to get back to that. And so I just waited and then slowly everything lifted. My skin healed. My arthritis went away. Like I had mouth ulcers after the soy too. Like my whole, my body was very angry. Yeah. And slowly everything went away. And then for the next year, I just kept reintroducing things and having these stupid reactions because it took me like a year to learn. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I'm on a meat diet, the lion diet, and that is ruminant meat, salt, and water. And I've been doing that since December 2017. Um, and the reason I'm that restricted is because I managed to stabilize myself on this low carb diet. It was like 17 foods. It was very restricted. And then I got pregnant and had a baby. And after the pregnancy, I wasn't able to get my autoimmune symptoms under control again with the limited diet. And I just kept cutting down and cutting down. And I was on meat and greens for a year before I went to just meat. And I couldn't get rid of the lingering arthritis and I wasn't full blown depressed, but I was like crying daily. Like it was, I I was very unhappy. Um, And at some point I was like, screw it. I'm eating, at this point I'm eating salad and and meat. And I don't think I'm having an immune response to the meat. I'm just going to go to the meat. Um, Which was scary because I was breastfeeding at the same time and I was already getting a lot of negative feedback about, oh, you're not getting enough vitamins, like all this. You're like, what about your baby? And I was like, I can't. Like I'm waking up in the middle of the night I'm pushing myself up on my bed with my wrist and my wrist is buckling from arthritis. Like, what if I drop my baby? Yeah, yeah. Like, this isn't a joke. So uh, I went to the meat diet and it was rough and scary, but my arthritis, arthritic symptoms got better in about a week. And the doomy mornings, um, it was like three days and I stopped crying. I was about six weeks before the depression went away. It took five months for the anxiety to go away. But the arthritis was quite quick and I'd been experiencing the itching again. Um, and that, again, was like a couple of days. So I had some positive feedback from the meat experiment in a couple of days. And then I also found out about the carnivore diet community, which I had no idea existed. And there were people in there saying who had been doing this for years. And I was like, well, what do I have to lose, right? Um, so I've been for the last three years, well, before that I started talking about diet, but I've been talking about specifically ruminant meat, salt, and water as something people can give a shot if they have health problems that are destroying their lives and they're not getting help elsewhere. And I've talked to thousands and thousands of people. I have, um, a couple of Facebook groups, don't eat that. And one called the lion diet. And, uh, there's the thousands of people in there that have had success removing things from their diet and trying to figure out what's bothering them. But um, I think what's going on is I think it's gut damage, leaky gut, and going on a ruminant meat, salt and water diet removes any of the foods that can be triggering an immune response and allows your gut to heal. So a lot of people go on this. It, you, ha- you seem to have to do it for about six weeks to see results. And if you have a nerve problem like MS, it takes longer. Um, but you can go on it and lots of people can reintroduce foods back in once they heal up leaky gut. Um, sometimes the healing also involves taking probiotics, but a lot of people like my experience with probiotics hasn't been positive at all Hmm. because I was just, I'd take them and then I'd have an immune response. And I think they were just like leaking into me and you don't want like gut bacteria or whatever you're swallowing to be in your blood. Um, and I've seen other people with autoimmune disorders either have success or have responses. It's, they're tricky. 
That's why I asked you what type you use yeah. because it was like maybe it's one I haven't tried. I've tried a number of them. But yeah, that's my diet experience. Hey guys, Michael Malice here. Want to tell you about a new sponsor we have, Manscaped. If you go to manscaped.com and use code MALICE, you get 20% off and free shipping. Here's what happened. They sent them to the office. I'm like, let me try it. Manscaped redesigned the electric trimmer. They spent 18 months perfecting the greatest trimmer for every part of your body that has ever been created. It's got an LED light. It lets you groom in the shower. Uh, the battery lasts up to 90 minutes, so you could take a longer shave. It's got a charging stand. It makes you feel put together. You've never seen anything like this. If you go to manscaped.com and use promo code MALICE, you get 20% off, free shipping. They say your balls will thank you. And I say you are welcome, gentlemen. Now let's get back to the show. So here are the two obvious questions. One is why specifically ruminant meats? What are ruminants versus other kind of meats? And two, how the heck do you poop? <laughs> okay. First, ruminant meat. So I, the first month, technically, that I did the carnivore diet, I did all meat. And sometimes I wouldn't feel good after I ate. And by that, I mean I was slow and like the first month was rough i was getting bloated after eating meat which had never happened before i was getting really dizzy i was getting this drunk feeling like my oh. body was not happy with me but i noticed after i had chicken and turkey and those were my favorite foods chicken wings were my favorite food i noticed after i was eating those that i wasn't feeling good i had the major brain fog and i just felt like icky and i'd also heard in carnivore groups that people reacted well to beef mm-hmm and so I went to all beef to cut out all the variables. I've managed to reintroduce wild salmon with no problems, but chicken still kind of makes me feel icky. So I don't, I don't eat it. I, but beef, lamb, and some wild salmon. I think the reason ruminant meat works is because we've evolved eating large ruminant animals for millions of years. And I think it's just something people can tolerate. Like we were eating mammals and things. Uh, not mammals, mammoths. Mammals too. But um, yeah. so I, I think that's why ruminant meat. And then the whole pooping thing, Contrary to popular belief, fiber actually, fiber makes you poop more because you have more waste, but meat is mostly absorbed in the small intestine. If you have someone who's had a colonoscopy, uh, not a colonoscopy, if they've had part of their colon removed, sometimes they're prescribed, if they're lucky, a diet that's very low in fiber and that's high in meat because it's mostly absorbed in the small intestine. So you have less waste, which weirds people out when you go on the carnivore diet. Um... But constipation is not an issue at all. In fact, one of the unpleasant things that you have to talk about because it freaks people out is when people drop all the, the plants from their diet, I would say 60% of them experience diarrhea at the beginning of the diet for a couple of weeks. Two weeks about, which is quite a while to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's not pleasant and it was not pleasant. But it was like, that was <laughs> the first month, the first month I was having this like bloating diarrhea. It was just like, fuck. But my arthritis had gone away. So I can remember sitting there being like, hmm, what do I want more? And I was like, I definitely don't want the depression and the arthritis. So I'll just like live with diarrhea. It was, that was a great month, but it do does you know, go away. <laughs> do you know what the medical term is for a senior citizen who can't help but shit his pants in public? Oh God. What? Joe Biden. Oh my God. Yeah, I should have thought that. I should have seen that, that coming from a mile away. 
<laughs> That's why he married a doctor, even though she's just a teacher. <laughs> Oops, I crapped my pants. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm really glad that you and other people in this space are talking about the relationship between diet and mental health because it has historically been such a thing owned by like the vegans, the vegetarians and like the hippies that, w- yeah. that it has a branding problem. And even though people might logically understand you're telling me like, if you take alcohol, that's going to affect your psychology, yeah. right? To use an extreme example, you're telling me like sustained diet can affect your psychology. They don't want to give into that because it, it feels so much like, you know, oh, I'm just going to eat organic and, and it's yeah, not. Yeah. So I'm telling people if they have these conditions, it'll be fun to just experiment, you know, learn yeah, your body. And, yeah. Yeah. It's worth learning too, because even if you're healthy, like you're not going to stay healthy. Everybody gets sick at some point. You're going to get sick faster if you're unhealthy. And honestly, you can see that generally if you look in the mirror, like you, you and, can judge. And if you've had a condition low key all your life, you don't realize it's there. Like I had my septum fixed and I'm like, oh, these sinus headaches every winter, I didn't realize I had them because I had them all my life. And now that I don't have them, I didn't realize I was compensating for a condition I was born with because it's been the entirety of my life. I'm like, oh, this is much better. I can breathe in the winter. I don't have headaches all the time. A a lot of people I talk to have anxiety and they don't know until it goes away right that's a right. big one they because yeah. they think it's stress yeah or life how, like life's life sucks like yeah like you have it, this oh i'm a new yorker i have this low-key background tension well it's life in the big city no 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 it's that your body is creating this and you're finding a rational reason to yeah. justify it but it's not doesn't have to be that way yeah, the same with the uh, common ones are the 4 p.m. slump and lower back pain. Because everyone has lower back pain. You're like, oh, it's from sitting at a computer, like I'm hunching over. But that went away for me. Um, and the 4 p.m. slump where everyone has a cupcake, it's like you're not supposed to slump at 4 p.m. You don't need an afternoon nap. You didn't work that hard. Like yeah. you're, even you're not a late, Jocko you're not a- Willink. Jocko <laughs> Willink doesn't nap like screw off you're not a longshoreman right and if you yeah. and the thing is if you were you wouldn't want to nap you'd want to pass out like when people reach their limit it's <laughs> yeah. not a nap yes. it's like i'm out you know you work yeah. for 12 hours you're not taking a nap you're done yeah yeah and if you get overtired you get a wired feeling sometimes um and that's different than if your whole body falls asleep like that was my reaction when i was eating something wrong it's like like narcolepsy what is the not- thing one of the things that really drives me crazy, and I, I don't have to experience it, but I'm sure you do, is that whenever people offer help perspectives on health, everyone who is marginally intelligent, who knows a little bit something about the field, feels the need to interject and tell you why you're wrong, you know, you're talking about and how you're dangerous. I'm sure you deal with a lot of that crap. And how do you deal with it, especially being so young? Uh, so I think the way I talk about it, or I hope from what I've seen, the way I talk about it is done in a certain way that I don't get as much negative feedback as some other people in the carnivore community. Like I tell my story and it's like, I've got hip and ankle scars. Like it's, there's no denying this. I, there's a video of me in 2012 or something on a TV show in um, Toronto TVO talking about my antidepressant use. 
And I like you can see the before and after. I was talking very slowly. I couldn't remember what the interviewer was saying. So I think I explain it in a way that I don't get as much feedback because most people are like, well, it's definitely working for you. That's like, like the least they can say. I do get some vegans that are like, did you try the vegan diet? And it's like the vegan, what do you mean? Just eliminating one food that was going to cure my autoimmune disorder? Yeah. Like that doesn't make any sense. But um, I at the beginning, I got a lot of kickback on like from BuzzFeed and stuff where it's like, this is a dangerous diet. No one knows anything about it. But now that it's been like three years of it kind of being more talked about and carnivores aren't dropping dead, they've kind of given up on the, it's going to kill you right away. And now it's just, it's going to kill you in a while, but we're not sure how long. And just because you look healthy doesn't mean you, just because you look healthy and feel good doesn't mean you are, which is like anyone who's sick and hears a story about someone who got unsick especially if they're desperate is usually willing to try different things and diet is pretty it's it should be a first step before taking something like immune suppressants i also think it's really useful in terms of food to have it if it's a simple rule uh it takes a lot less willpower so if you're saying i can eat a b and c i can't eat d e and f uh you don't have to think about it and that way it's a lot easier to sustain because the issue with any kind of food issue is sustainability and willpower. If you are going to force yourself to have a, uh, a adversarial relationship with your food, it's not pot like Atkins. I like, I know you're, it's, it's different for you because you have these responses, but for a lot of people who really, it's just an emotional thing for them. You have to solve the emotional aspect first, because at some point you're just going to break and then you're just going to, it's going to be this whole roller coaster. So it's, yeah. it's like you had to do it the hard way because you're like, I'm going to try reintroducing. And yeah. now I have the data to show yeah. this isn't me talking out of my ass. My skin physically changed. My psychology physically changed. This isn't my imagination. Here's the A-B testing. Yeah, yeah. And I was super scientific about it. Like I, I was... I was in university and I was like, I'm doing this properly. I'm not fucking around. Like I need to get out of this autoimmune disease and I'm not screwing around. Right. So when I went on that low carb diet, I had a list of 17 foods and I didn't eat out just in case they were going to cross contaminate. Because if I had a reaction in the middle of this diet and I didn't know what it was for, then I had three weeks where I had, my data was screwed up. So I, I generally tell people if you have a huge question in your life like why do i have an autoimmune disorder you need to look at it like a scientist do as much research as you can and starting with an elimination diet that eliminates everything except for one food is the easy like that's the most logical way to do an elimination diet if you know people have been on it it's helped them they can thrive on it you can at least start there and then slowly reintroduce one by one but if if you're like you know i can't eat pizza what is it that you can't eat is it the gluten Is it the egg? Is it the tomato sauce? Is it the cheese? Like you have to be very scientific about this. It's very difficult to figure out. And starting with an all beef diet for six weeks definitely gives people a baseline and it seems to be really effective. And you've got a great story at the end of the day anyway, right? So for six weeks, I was the idiot who went the beef diet and didn't work for me. Great. Right. Fine. You were that guy. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Prove prove me wrong um i there's like there are a couple people who wrote those articles like the buzzfeed ones and one of them was i tried you know jordan peterson because my dad got thrown under the bus for this diet i tried jordan peterson's beef diet for two weeks and i felt like shit and it was like yeah 
two weeks. Yeah. Like, you do feel like shit after two weeks. So you have to give it a month long shot because your body takes a while to adjust to things and it does not like dropping. Like if you eat sugary things and you drink coffee and you start only course, eating meat, yeah. you go into caffeine withdrawal. Just that alone is going to make you feel terrible for like maybe three or four weeks. So you, you know have to give like it a saying That's like I shot. tried Jordan Peterson's I'm going to stop smoking for two weeks and I felt miserable. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's, that doesn't that's mean that the happens. idea is wrong. It just yeah. means you're feeling a certain way, but that well, feeling you... could be indicative that it's working in a certain direction that it's actually long-term beneficial for you. Yeah, or how about exercise? I went to the gym and now my muscles hurt. It's like... <laughs> yeah, I went to the gym for two weeks and I'm not yeah. Mr. Olympia. This guy's yeah. a fraud. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, Malice here. want to tell you about Real Paper, R-E-E-L, P-A-P-E-R.com. If you use code WELCOME25, you get 25% off a single purchase or your first subscription box plus free shipping. What is it? It's awesome. It's three-ply paper, toilet paper, made of sustainable bamboo. None of your friends are going to have this. You'll be cooler than them. Three-ply is 50% better than two-ply. Bamboo is better than whatever they make it out of because it's foreign. This is the hipster toilet paper you need in your house and i absolutely love it plus they help people in need get access to clean toilets uh they send in money um towards people who have that issue abroad if you go to realpaper.com r-e-e-l-p-a-p-e-r.com and use code welcome 25 you get 25 percent off of- i know several people who have uh, very prominent dads and something i see on social media which i find extremely disturbing is that they will throw dad in their face and be like, if your father saw this, or I don't think your father would agree. Uh, And this kind of low empathy psychology, (laughs) I find extremely disturbing because it's like, I assure you, you've never met this man. And at the very least, he's going to take his kid's side publicly just because who the hell are you? But I also bet that she might have a more intimate knowledge of how he thinks (laughs) than you who have literally never met him. What? Can you describe what it was like getting those kind of reactions um, and how you deal with them? <laughs> what would your dad say about this? Yeah, yeah. Like he'd say, like he actually said, "Congratulations, we had we just had dinner." Um, well, I, I love that. No- what would? As if you have no idea. Hey, I don't have to theorize. I can ask him. <laughs> yeah, we just hey. talked about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. How do I... Okay, well, we had a podcast and you told me that I should just be blocking people on Twitter. Yes. That's helped a lot. I'm good. I'm glad. Okay. Yeah. I went through my list of muted people and just blocked the ones that are just... That have nothing else to do other than like torture me. Yeah. Um, so I blocked that. That helped a lot. So I would highly recommend doing that. I'm a big fan of that now. Oh, good. I'm glad it worked. Yeah, yeah. It did. I didn't even know... Jesus. I was on Twitter for like a year and a bit and there were a couple of vegans that went after me badly when i was really worried about dad um and so i couldn't handle any extra stress yeah and i didn't even know mute existed okay oh gosh like i had someone who i don't know who i a doctor called me and was like you know you can like mute people on twitter i was like oh I'd like, I had no idea what social media was like. You, you can mute people um so how do i deal with that i'm pretty like i'm fairly desensitized to it now if a post goes around that's a huge conspiracy theory and like twenty thousand people like it that kind of gets to me but 
that's what happens, I guess, if you like there are upsides and downsides of having followings and being known. And yeah. I think that the upsides far outweigh the downsides. It's definitely more stressful than not being known. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By like ri- ridiculous amounts. But um, there's also so much good that comes from it. So I just kind of take it and I'm more desensitized now and I block people. Well, I just mean, but I just means particularly. Sp- my dad's not famous, so specifically when they're invoking his name to get at you, like what's I can't. It's hard for me to imagine what that's like emotionally. I just assume those people are stupid. Okay, like, it doesn't really bother. <laughs> like honestly, it's like what would okay. your dad think? It's like how can someone ask a family member that question about their family? Like it's just okay, like, that's good. stupid. So it just doesn't. I don't even think it's bugged me because it's like you're a moron that's too bad yeah, for I, you I, I, the only thing i've had even close about this is harvey picar is the comic book writer he wrote a book about me and people were like well if harvey blah 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 and i'm like i promise you i have somewhat of an insight as to how harvey thinks and that he's not even my dad you know what i mean so like it's like yeah i i this isn't an argument where like we should hear both sides you know it's just so weird to me um and there's yeah. other people I, I who i don't want to name names where i've seen it happen too and i'm just like I, like, I, I, there's a lot of crazy people online and that's fine. But like at a certain point you think like, do you even hear yourself? Like, like, do you even hear no, the implication? Of what you're, yeah, right. They don't. I just had this conversation tonight actually um, about, you know, people going crazy on social media. I don't think they know that they look weird. Yeah, they must not or else they would give a yeah. pause because they'll double down yeah. usually. Yeah, you can't have the same reaction that other people have to weird things you post or you wouldn't post them, theoretically. Yeah. Uh, Michaela, we're running out of time. What has been your favorite part of this interview? Hmm. Well, favorite? I really think it's worth warning people about medication use. Like, So I don't know about favorite, but... I think it's like the the reason I've been talking about it is because it's no one deserves to like um, people don't understand dependences and addictions. They don't understand at a physiological level what happens to your body if you adjust to something and it gets removed. It's like it steals a part of your body like and so if you can avoid it, avoid it because we're so desensitized to medications like people joke about benzodiazepines all the time in songs and things and um and I've had so many people reach out to me since we started talking about it that it's just heartbreaking. Like I get, I get people messaging me every three days telling me they know someone who killed themselves from akathisia. It's like every three days. And people don't talk about it. So it's probably the best part of the podcast. You are welcome. <laughs>